What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. So excited today to be joined by Rick Marr. Rick is the CEO and visionary of Turning Point HCM, and uh, we're talking to him from New York today. Uh, Rick, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Scott, thanks. Happy to be here. Looking forward to the next, uh, the next half hour. It's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, Rick and I have gotten to know each other here just a little bit over the last uh, couple of months or so, but our ties go a little deeper than that. Uh, Rick was a former lacrosse player at, uh, for the Ithaca Blue Bombers, if I'm not mistaken, Rick. Is that right? That's correct. 89-93. Uh, 89-93. So my wife and I were um, at William Smith and Hobart Colleges in, in 1992. She was the uh, assistant for the female lacrosse team out of William Smith. And uh, way back in the day, I called a baseball game between Hobart and Ithaca at Ithaca in my early, uh, ba- uh, my early radio career. So way back. <laughs> we're dating ourselves, Rick, is what and we're doing. And now it's, it's led you here today. <laughs> led me to this, this, this fine, uh, <laughs> fine occupation today. Um, Rick, why don't you just give us a little, little background, give us a little bio and, and tell us a little about your business today. And then we're going to kind of walk through your journey to how you got here. Yeah, so so thank you. So Turning Point Human Capital Management, I founded in 2010. And since 2010, we've worked with over 2,000 businesses and 3,000 different partners. And, you know, the businesses that we're focused on are first or second generation family types of businesses, you know, with a handful to a couple hundred employees. And we really solve, we, we release the pressure valve that builds in data in business owners when day-to-day HR issues pop up. And those pressure valves usually fall into one of four buckets. The first being compliance, too many laws, rules, and regulations. The second being employee issues, everything from hiring properly to firing properly. Why can't Susie get to work on time and why is Johnny harassing everybody kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. The third bucket are the policies and the procedures, handbooks, job descriptions, things that allow the business to scale and grow profitably and set the rules for the employees. And then the fourth, you know, I think is a real EOS uh, model is the strategic organizational development stuff. Right people, right seats kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's kind of the space that we play in. We've built a team of, uh, we have a team right now, 14 HR folks that work for the company, and um, we service business across the country, and kind of that's, that's, that's where we are as it stands today. Yeah, and I know you've got some deep connections just within the EOS community. It's a, it's a natural fit. Obviously, we're working with organizations that uh, are oftentimes they're not going to specialize in HR, right? They've got other things on their mind, and, and you provide a great resource to help fill that HR seat for an organization that's looking to grow and, and to build a business, uh, right? Growing their damn business, looking to do that, but focus on the things that they got in business for, right? The things that they're really good at. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rick, take me back a little bit. So you've had the business now for over 13 years. Uh, What was the impetus? What struck you at the time? Does entrepreneurism run deep in your family? Just give me a little bit of that history as to, to how things got started for you. Yeah. So, so no, no entrepreneurial, uh, roots whatsoever. My dad okay. was a high school math teacher. Okay. My mom was the uh, purchasing agent for our local village. 
my father-in-law, my wife and I were high school sweethearts. My father-in-law worked for the railroad and my mother-in-law worked for the local hospital in the, in the cafeteria. Gotcha. So very, very much blue collar, nine to five, put your head down, do your work, grow your business, uh, you know, do, do your job, get paycheck yep. and, and go that way. So I, uh, I'm a bit of an outlier and uh, my mom always says, I don't know where you came from. <laughs> I was going to so, ask you, what, what happened there, right? Just where, where does that come from? That's uh, so, not, so, not, so not I, a modeled. So to answer my mom in a way, and I think an easy way to answer that question is the way that I became an entrepreneur is what I call arrogance and laziness, right? So, you know, the laziness comes in, you know, the next door neighbor when I was 16 or 17 asked me to mow the lawn and I said, okay, she says, I'll give you 20 bucks. I said, great. I called my buddy. I'm like, listen, I'll give you 10 bucks to mow this lawn, right? And, and then I said, I'll go get the other neighbors and I'll, I'll do that. So that was my laziness. I just didn't want to mow the lawn, but I was happy to get the money. So I said, I'll get someone to mow the lawn. They'll be happy with the 10 bucks and we'll go from there. The arrogance came as I got a little older and into my career, you know, so I spent the first 17 years as an employee and I was always one of the most productive employees, but I was always the worst employee, right? I fought every manager, every boss, right? All that stuff. So the arrogance came as I always felt I could do it better. But it was probably at that point I chalked it up to immaturity, right? Um, And and until I kind of said, okay, I have to go do this on my own. I have to, I, I can't play by someone else's rules. So I had to, I had to leave and start my own business and create my own rules. And when I say that, so this arrogance and laziness, I tailored my sales model to fit my world. I tailored my business model to fit my world, right? So where I was most comfortable was not talking where I, when I worked into the corporate, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the ivory tower with right. you know, 75 different layers of bureaucracy. I couldn't play that game as well as I wanted to. But where I was really good is dealing with directly with entrepreneurs who were very similar to me, right? They yeah. were they were boots on the ground, you know, maybe didn't have this, you know, big resume or background, but we're just making it happen. And I knew those folks I could just connect with, right? And I didn't I didn't understand it at that point. Right. So we built this business around, you know, who I was. And yeah. I said, how do I go find more people that I can talk to. Yeah. Work with the, work with the people that you know the best. We had a different uh, story on, on the long way business was I was going out and finding the lawn mowing jobs, trying to get my friends to do them. And then they didn't do it. So I didn't mow another darn lawn myself. So I don't know. Somehow I screwed that up along the way, but I too had a little lawn mowing business. It just was done, done a little bit differently. Um, Look, all businesses, when they get rolling, right, there's going to be these moments, you know, you call them an oh shit moment or you call them, oh, this is a real, you know, seminal, something's got to happen, different moment. I'm sure you've had more than one along the way, but does one stand out for you that was, wow, I, I did this thing, seemed like a good idea at the time, and now I'm in year X. Yeah. And, and something's going on. What was, can you, can you think of that? Does that still stick in your head today? Oh, I, I can think of it. I, and it's funny, I've had this conversation a couple times this morning already. Okay. And, I, and, and one was with one of my sons. Okay. And one was with another business person. I said the same advice I gave to my sons, I gave to someone I was talking to. I said, I've made a million mistakes in my career, maybe more. And I'm not going to let you make those same million mistakes. 
I'm going to help you prevent those million mistakes because I want you to go find your own million. Yeah, find find the next the next round of them, right? Because the next gonna... million, right? So, so <laughs> that's good. that's going to do it. Yeah. So for me, knowing my behavioral style and knowing that I have to do things my way and go back to arrogance and laziness, if you will. Sure. Having a partner was not the right decision for me. Right. And I made that decision early on because I knew that I had certain operational weaknesses and I wasn't sure as an early entrepreneur, you know, just kind of, you know, being a duck feet are going underneath, but seemingly some, sometimes seemingly calm on top. So I, I, I I had a partnership early on that I thought would kind of compliment me, but I wasn't a mature enough leader to kind of set the, ba- the the ground rules, the boundaries, what I expected and, and how it was going to work. And that partnership ended badly, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Blah, 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 right? Right, right. Um, and, and, and really what that was very early on was a, a blow to my confidence, right? I had never had a crisis of confidence in my life prior to that. Right. And that was a true crisis of confidence. Like, can I do this? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough? Am I smart enough? Am I all those things? And I always tell the story, you know, there was a time and this is no joke. My wife just told this story to her sister about an hour ago on the phone. Yeah. There was a time when I was standing in my closet and I had to pick out a shirt to go to work for the day. One shirt was blue and one shirt was pink. I love pink's my favorite color, so blue. So I, I, she, she walked into the closet. She says, what are you doing? I said, I don't know which shirt to wear. I, I was so shaken by it's my, a, amazing. My, amazing. My, 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 that crisis of confidence was so deep that it affected every aspect of my life for a period of time. So for me, the biggest mistake I made was I didn't understand completely who I was as a leader and what I needed to do. Mm, And and then, and then, and then look at my actual skill sets. What were my strengths? And then how was I going to compensate for those weaknesses? I thought it was a partner, but it wasn't. So I had to make those changes. You know, that it's, it resonates so much. You hear so often, you go through it yourself. I can speak personally, gone through it myself. I think today the vernacular is the imposter syndrome. You're talking about crisis of confidence, but it's like, I know I can do it. You logically know you do it, but then this emotion hits you like, what, what am I, how, what am I doing here? Like, can I do what it is that I've set out to do here? And my, I don't know what the percentage is, but my guess it's close to 100% of all entrepreneurs have that at some time, right? And, and I think the hard thing to realize when you're starting something new or you're in it for a couple of years is that you're not alone and others have been through it and you got to go find someone to talk to about that because it's very real and happens all the time, right? I mean, it, it is just something that's there. Um, my coach at uh, here at EOS, uh, one of the guys who's been doing this for some time, uh, his name is Chris Jones, and, and Chris says he thinks imposter syndrome means you're on the precipice of something great. Like you're realizing what's there, you're 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 going through that emotion, but it means there's something awesome coming around the corner. He truly <laughs> believes that. Um, well, he made a big decision that, about that. Right? He's got it, right? He's well, got. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, you know, and, it, and I think that's the way to look at it. It's, hey, it, I know it's going to be here. I got to deal with it, but it can lead to something really special on the other side of it if you, yeah. you can get there. So, you know, good for you to go through that. Hey, one other thing we talk about with a lot of uh, visionaries, founders of organizations, is this concept of 
letting go of the vine, right? You're, you're a guy that gets things done. Uh, you put it, you said it yourself. You're not a great employee. You want to be there doing things. But how have you been at letting go of the vine, delegating in, in those first couple hires that you brought on? What was that like? And how did that work for you? Yeah. So, so when I started this business and I told people what I was going to do, build a human capital management HR business, they said, Rick, how are you going to do that? You've never been in HR and you don't plan to be an HR person. Right. And in the beginning, that felt like a real weakness, but it ended up being a potential blessing in disguise. Okay. Right? Not a potential. It happened to be a blessing in okay. disguise. So I, I, when I started the business, I couldn't do the work. So I had to bring people on who could actually do the work. So that was, that was kind of a default delegation. Yeah. Had to do it, but from the get go. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I had to yeah. do it. So okay. I, I had to do it and I had, I had, I at times tried to focus exactly on my skill set, which was being the, the rainmaker, right? That's what right. I, that was. That's who I am. That's what I do. I, I'm, I love sales. I love everything about it. You can yeah. probably see in my, in my, in how I <laughs> speak. Right? Yeah, hands are up. You're going out. I love it. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm going, right? I love it. So, so one of the things, but part of that was in the beginning when I was selling, I was kind of selling the concept of, Hey, if you like me, you'll buy from me. And I had to make this transition that even though you bought from me and you like me, I am not the one that's going to be doing the work. And then what would happen is there would be periods of time, especially early on in our service model, when it wasn't perfected and, you know, it, you know, it was a crapshoot if you're going to have a happy client, right? Sure. Yeah. Early on. And um, so I, I, ha I had to find a way to position it that at some point, let's call it three quarters of the way through the sales process, that I was starting to introduce the next person that was going to kind of take the service and run with it and really had to not make them a salesperson, but make them part of the sales process so that that the I could transfer that trust that I was building to them yeah. so that when if there was a problem or when we got into service, then, you know, it wasn't so much just me, but that was a hard point because all my sales had been done on my, Hey, I'm going to get this person to like me, to well, like yeah. what I'm having to say, and they'll buy because they like me. Right. Well, and you were looking for people that were similar to you, right? That's what That's you said earlier on. Like, I'm like, let me go find people that are, that like to deal with me because this is who I am and, and, and out there, which is a great way to start. But yeah, at the end That's of the right. day, so, so they bring those on. Even though I wasn't doing the work and there was that a lot of times early stage businesses, that's the thing. I was doing the sales work and, and at some times they were thinking it would almost sense like they felt I baited and switched them. Like, wait, Rick was here and now he's not here. So that was a that was sure. that kind of how do we delegate and how do we get that to, to go effectively kind of a situation. On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we talk with entrepreneurs about their journeys the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Growth never happens in a straight line. How do business owners overcome those moments when they hit a ceiling, feel stuck, and are trying to work through it? Are they spending their time working on their business or in their business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to succeed as an entrepreneur and grow your damn business. So over the course of the 13 years, have there been any... Um, 
bright, shiny objects that you've been tempted to chase as clients have asked you to do something that was not part of what your core offering was intended to be? Because this is also a challenge for many entrepreneurs, right? The, the chase the bright, shiny. I see you smiling, so I, I know there's something there. If you, if you said, Rick, we're going to go sell these today, I'd be like, yeah. hell yeah, we're going. Yeah, go sell some right. pens. Great. Yeah, real, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so bright, shiny object. And I'm a classic, until I really understood what that meant, I, I'm, I'm classic. So I am, okay. we use DISC profiling for a lot of our yep. stuff. Yep. For, our, for our employees, every position is DISC profiled included. And about six or seven years ago, when I really, I did always, you know, had a DISC assessment, but yeah, whatever, it is what it is, you know. Right, right. When I really started to understand what it meant and what it meant for my organization, what it meant for our team, and what, more importantly, what it meant to our clients, right? When we, when I started to really understand that in my DISC, I am 99% D, which is, you know, dominant yeah. sales, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I have literally nothing else. No empathy, wow. no sympathy, no nothing, right? Wow. When I really started to understand that, then that, that became the impetus for me to really take on this role, which was the CEO and visionary. So I've given up every aspect of my business that is not, let's call it client facing, uh, networking, all that stuff. I don't touch anything else, right? And yeah. part of my job every day, I say part of my job, I just, I, I just work at the company, right? Part of my job is to dream and come up with crazy ideas and then say to the team every day, all right, here we go. Idea one, and then and, and they have full authority to say, nope, nope, yeah. nope. That's interesting. Let us see if we can make it work in a process because we do everything process driven. Sure. And if they say yes, and we can do it, and it it's got to fall under the HR umbrella. Okay. Then 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 that idea has is a seedling. Right. But right. my idea, my job is to chase those shiny objects. So back to the early days, in the early days, I was getting spun around. Right. Because I think people would recognize in me that I was a good salesperson and they'd say, Rick, well, you got an HR business. But what if you also added in, you know, magic shows for yeah, you got this, yeah. you got these great client relationships. Right. Let's let's leverage it for the next thing. Right. And right. add on. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. It's, and, it's tempting. And, and it's tempting. I really I really I, you know, I guess as 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 I have matured as a business leader, matured, not not totally matured, but there there are po there are some clear points in my career path where I look at it and go okay now I feel like I figured it out right then I go and I go oh god I can't believe I didn't figure that piece out right and 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 there's you know periods of time that go along so I I think that 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 chasing of shiny objects very early on yeah. was a detriment then as I've gotten more mature in my process and my who I am as a person and a business leader. I've come to embrace what it can mean, but not dictate what we're going to do, but the value of the visionary yeah. mind, I guess. 
Absolutely. And you're, you're, you're speaking that EOS language. When we work with a company and do that accountability chart, that is one of the roles for that visionary seat is come up with all the great ideas and handle the big relationships. And you're the idea guy, but the, the integrator or your second in command is the person that is really putting the governor on those and say, well, wait a second, because there's a danger there, right? Because the organization will go as you go. And if you say, hey, let's go chase this thing. All right. Everyone's going to chase left. Oh, no, we're going to go to this thing. Right. I changed my right. And they're going to go right. And they're going to do those things. And this is we see this. This is a very real thing that goes on, particularly early early on in companies where they're trying to really define what is my core focus? What is the thing that we're really good at that we want to spend time doing? Nail that and then you can eliminate some of that bright, shiny object syndrome, which is such a reality when you're trying to be all things to clients because you want to grow a business. (laughs) You want to go after it. Funny, my team knows when I'm bored or satisfied. Because the more I, more I go, oh, I, you know, we got to talk about this on Monday. We got to talk about this on Tuesday. We got to talk about. They're like, all right, Rick, what's the matter? You bored? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do we get here? What's going on with this? That's yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. So we've kind of talked about the journey. So where are you today? So you said you've got fourteen folks working for you right yeah. now. What what are the things that are passing muster with your team, if you will? Right, the governor's on them, but they said, okay, let's experience more. Kind of what is next? Where are you going yeah. within your business? Today, that, that is kind of getting some legs, getting a little traction, to use our term. And, you know, wh- where might you be going next? Yeah, so we're right in the middle of a process. We started at the beginning of this year of our one, three, five, ten 10-year plan. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, back when the pandemic hit, we had a very different model. I'm here on Long Island. We had a traditional Long Island office. And I had 45 HR people working for me at that point in time because it was very inefficient. We were running around Metro New York like lunatics and we were going on site. It's very inefficient. Each person only handled two or three clients, right? Right. And on April 20th, 2020, we lost 75% of our business that day, on that day. Wow. And that was the first day that the invoices went out after the pandemic shut down. Hey, we're we're closed. We don't need your Can't do it. Not doing it. Yep. Right. So the the 25% that remained were all just by happenstance, remote clients. Like back then it wasn't really a thing like it is today. Right. Right. So, um, so I, I look back on that and I said, you know, with that time we had to do everything was about spreading of risk. We had to spread every single risk we can think of and try to way to minimize it. So we, we went to this remote model and we had a revamp all of our technology, our, our delivery of service, even the behavioral style of our team members to be able to, to operate in this new world. And back then, um, um, Mark Cuban was, you know, he was being real rah-rah on Instagram and CNBC to business owners like, you know, hey, we got to stay in the game kind of stuff. And yeah. he said, the next set of great companies are going to come out of this. We don't know who they are yet. We don't know what it is. Yeah. But the people that embrace this are going to survive and are going to someday get back to thriving the way that they expect it to. Right? right. And I took that very much to heart. It was a it was a hard three years. Right. We had to build back. We had to do a lot of stuff. As everyone. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, so 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 really where we're going now is we're now starting to think about true scalability uh, across the country and some programs that we built like our HR business partners program and some other things. But we're now really into this scalability mode where we're talking about exit strategies. I'm 51 today. 
you know, not today, but I'm 51 at this point. <laughs> 51 at this moment, gotcha. Yeah. Right. So in 10 years, I'll be 61. And yep. this business has to be ready to be exited by me completely. And what I mean is, I don't mean die at my desk, right? That's not, that's not my interest. Um, this is probably most people's not their interest. Um, but, it, you know, is this thing scalable enough that it could be ESOP? Is it scalable enough that it could be franchised? Is it scalable enough that it could be sold? And when I say sold, I mean someone gives me a check and says, thanks for coming. We'll, I'm see, all done you. Here. we'll <laughs> see you later. So everything that yeah. we're doing right now is now this push to, to, to get to that, that point Right. Okay. So yeah. It's it's a big move. So the next thing that I'm building right now is a, is a true management structure as the next phase. So we we've brought on a, a true CFO. We're bringing nice. on a chief marketing officer. We have our our HR team lead. We have our operations team lead. So we're really trying to now build out this next level of of. Um, uh, Filling out the function. You're filling out the yeah. You're filling out your accountability chart and making sure the functions are taken care of. Yeah. No. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's and it's 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 awesome that you're there. Which in all reality is a pretty yeah. short time. I mean, well, that you're going not, that way, right? I'm not, you're not there. I'm not there. I'm on the path. Okay. We're, we're not at, we're not the line yet. We're not the, the fishing line. The vision is structured. So this is a gotcha. big project, but we sure. started taking those steps that are that are very forward thinking and we're not thinking about the company in the sense of where it is today, right? We're a small little company today, but what does this company look like in five years? What could it be? And let's dream. Let's totally dream. That's my job. And go, forget people say, Oh my God, are you, are you, you know, what's, what's, what are you taking today? You know, what are you not? <laughs> right. But let's, let's yeah. think like that. Let's take that Mark Cuban. The next set of great companies are going to come out of that. And I'm not saying we're going to be some Amazon or Google or something like that, but for our space, let's be that next great company. And let's use this period that we're just coming out of as the launching pad using the visionary and, and, and then the, and the implementers to make it happen, uh, the integrators to make it Integrator. happen. Yeah, no, spot on. And, th- and that's absolutely right. You're, you're speaking the U.S. language once again, so I love it. I appreciate that, that you're speaking the language there as, as we talk about, but that's exactly what we want to work with our companies to do is you got to know where you're going, that 10-year target out there, know where you're going and, and how you're going to get there. And we build back through that by building out a three-year picture and a, and a one-year plan. So you're, you're right in the middle of that, but you got to put that thing out there that's that's big and meaty and that everyone's going after and everyone knows it, right? You're sharing it with everybody so you can line everybody up, get everyone rowing in the same direction, right? So critical to getting where you want to go, right? You keep it to yourself. Nothing's going to happen. You so, got to share it with so, others. So, you know, let's go back to early stage. I come from a very blue collar background, right? Yep. And that mentality is, Hey, you keep your mouth shut until you've made it to the finish line. Right. Right. Yep. Which is juxtaposed to what we're talking about, what we know as entrepreneurs, what we know as successful as entrepreneurs, is to say, no, you need to be bold and you need to tell everybody, right? Absolutely. I'm yeah. going to lose 20 pounds. There it is. There it is. Put it out there. Right? Yep. So, so, so if you think about that, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I believe, at least in my case, it took me a lot of time to you know, think of the devil and the angel on the shoulders. I have the out-of-the-office Rick the Rick, personal Rick, which is blue collar, do your job, keep your mouth shut, be the first one to go to work, be the last one to leave. 
mm, right? Yeah. That's yeah. my that's my genetic makeup, right? But then there's this the crazy Rick, the entrepreneur Rick that says no, 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 no. To make it simple, the four-hour work week, you build processes, you build procedures, you push it down, you build it up, you push it down, you do it again, you push it down. So I think that for a lot of us, that 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 juxtaposition of what the you know the Puritan work ethic and what we were you know kind of raised on is right. very opposite from what makes a good entrepreneur. Yeah, and and a really good entrepreneur because oftentimes folks just find themselves the minute that where they're actually in it, working on it, and and in the grind. Right, that's we favorite saying around EOS. Right, are you in the business or are you on the business? And you're at that place right now that you really can think about working on the business and where you're heading as opposed to going through all of the work, all the grind that's associated being in the business. And it is a really hard transition to make because it's your baby. It's your thing. And it's hard to let go of that. And, and it's it's a, probably the number one challenge of entrepreneurs, right, to do that is, is to actually find uh, that time. I'll tell you a personal story. So I had an yeah. executive coach who was helping me with those reconciliations. And I had this old ratty fishing hat, my, I'm a boater, ratty hat that I wore every day. And he says to me one day, he said, why do you wear that hat? It's like so, and he knew where he was going with this. And this is not to be derogatory to anybody, but he said, it's so blue collar. And I said, yeah, because when I put that on, I wear this outside of the office all the time because that's who I am. Those are my true roots, that's my DNA. And he says, right, but in your business, you should never wear that hat, right? Ever when you're on your phone calls or you're on your things. And it, and it struck me and I walked upstairs. Now, once I close the office, we work here. Yep. I walked upstairs and I threw the hat out. And my wife said, what was that? And I told her and she goes, go for it. Yeah. So you made the decision to throw the hat out. And now you have no problem picking the color shirt. Right. Now, right? now, now, I got, now I get my sunburn all the time. Yeah, no hat, and you got the shirt that you want to wear, and it's come back around. Uh, Rick, absolute treat. I appreciate it. Hey, we wrap up every one of our episodes with uh, what we call five quick questions. They have nothing to do with business, yeah. but just to help us get a little bit uh, to know you a little bit better. So I'm just going to fire these off. First thing that comes to your mind, we'll wrap up with that. And then after we do that, you know, make sure we know how to get a hold of you. So first and foremost, what is your favorite sports team? New York Mets. They stink. <laughs> That's a tough start to the summer, but, you know, it could it could turn around. Relying on, on some older pitchers could be a challenge for them. We'll see how that goes. Um, what would you eat for your last meal? Chicken Parmesan. Chicken Parm. Dream vacation spot. I'm not a vacationer. My boat. Boat. Fair enough. Favorite movie or TV streaming show since they're all the same? Sopranos. Beautiful. And the best piece of advice or favorite quote that you'd like to share with the audience? A, always B, B, C, closing. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> A, B, C. Love it. Love it. Love it. Rick, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, easiest way, Rick, R-I-C-K, at turningpointhcm.com. Rick at turningpointhcm.com. Uh, our website, turningpointhcm.com. Uh, or you know, call me directly. Uh, I'm a sales guy. I want to talk to people. 631-769-4131. 631-769-4131. 
Got to love someone willing to put it out there and say, hey, give me a call. Let's talk about stuff. I, I just love it. Love it. Rick, you're so gracious with your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today and Grow Your Damn Business. It was my pleasure to have you on here. Same here. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast.